When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the gates and ready to go hot Mike with Hunter Withrow coming at you live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine Clay Travis joins us in 20 minutes joining us live from New York looking forward to that chat a lot to get into with Clay this week also Armando Salguero each and every Thursday he'll be with us in hour number two hope you'll join us either on this great radio partner or on our YouTube page just search out Outkick we hope you'll subscribe to the page and you can check out all of the shows live or on demand from the page on YouTube. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hudden. PGA Championship ongoing. Got a major happening. NBA playoffs and much more. But the, the discussion has been dominated by Ja Morant and what punishment should be coming forward from the NBA based on Adam Silver's response to the latest incident where Ja Morant is on Instagram Live on Sunday flashing a gun less than two months after meeting with the commissioner about the exact same thing and ended up getting an eight-game suspension. Well, yesterday, Chad, we covered J.J. Redick and his take saying, hey, guns are legal. How is this any different than politicians posing with guns for political circumstances? And it's way different based on the whole timeline of events. And last night, headed into game one of Boston and Miami, on TNT, Charles Barkley had this to say. I gotta say something, man. We got some idiots, some fools, some jackasses on television that really just pissed me off. Talking about Josh should make a stand saying he didn't break any laws. He didn't do anything wrong. We're in a state where you can carry your gun. Those guys are just, they're just freaking idiots. And I only said freaking because y'all won't let me say what I want to say. It, it pisses me off when I hear guys say that. Yo, man, when you're making $100 million a year to play sports, your life changes. There are certain rules and regulations you have to live by. Playing and simple you can't do stupid stuff that's the trade-off now if you want to do all that stuff and give all that money back more power to you you can make that stance and you know what i want to do what i want to do i want to flash my gun and make videos and do things okay that's fine but you can't make money on the nba doing this stuff there's barkley last night pre-game in boston and chad the nba and commissioner adam silver they're quote-unquote investigating this but Lay down the hammer is certainly on the table as part of a suspension that's headed John Morant's way. And there's not many that disagree with what Barkley said. J.J. Redick is one of them, but there's not many. And Adam Silver won't be either based on what he had to say. Yeah, and uh, I'll cut right through it. The idiots on TV that Barkley's referencing is J.J. Redick on that one because that was probably the viral clip. That not prob- Probably that was the biggest viral clip of the argument in the other direction on John Morant, which I think is not an overly common argument, but it's also very, very expected. Um, I'm not mad at J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is a symptom of the look-at-this-not-that culture that we have right now. He's just another example of that. He's not unlike a lot of people. He's seeing a story and saying, well, I'm more concerned with this story, so let me tell everyone what you really need to pay attention to 
instead of this, instead of discussing the issue at hand. The issue at hand is very simple. John Morant has had four different run-ins that involved violence or threats of violence. And you've got a gun being waved in a strip club. You've got a gun in a video uh, that was posted over the weekend. You've got him punching a teenager at his house in a pickup game and allegedly threatening the teenager with a gun. You've got members of him and his crew pointing a laser pointer at the Pacers team bus that had to be investigated by the league. So J.J. Redick wants to say, why is everyone talking about laying the hammer to this 23-year-old and not going after these older politicians that are posing with pictures of guns? We've talked about it all week and aren't afraid to say it. That also is stupid. The overglorification of a gun culture on either side, to me, is a bit weird, especially given a lot of the things that are happening in this country. Not just mass shootings, but gun violence in the inner city also. Both things are a major problem in this country. And I think both things that we're talking about are symptoms of this problem that would require a much deeper dive into that. But here's why the NBA can lay the hammer to John Morant. He has repeatedly made them look stupid. And when you write in your name into a contract, and i got to correct Charles Barkley on one thing, he's not making $194 million a year, but he did sign a $194 million contract for this latest max contract that he signed. When you sign your name on that contract, you are signing yourself up not just for don't get convicted of a crime. There's a lot bigger responsibility than that. And if you repeatedly make the league look stupid and you go to the commissioner of that league and you tell him how you are going to change and it's not going to happen again and that commissioner believes you, then that commissioner is forced to watch a video on a Sunday afternoon of you doing the same damn thing that got you in trouble. And then he has to go on the NBA draft lottery and answer a question asking his reaction to that video and his reaction is, well, I'm shocked. And I'm thinking, yeah, he's shocked because he probably sat down with a guy and heard that it wasn't going to happen again and it's the exact same thing. The NBA is well within their right to lay the hammer to John Morant, and I'm here to tell you they need to. This is a time of momentum for this league. They've gotten away from the politics, the agenda. The basketball is good. Defense is being played. Rivalries are forming. Superstars are emerging. Now is the time to capitalize and not look weak in the face of John Morant. I think they are going to throw the book at him. Hutton, I think it's going to be 40 games minimum when all this is said and done, and I hope that's the case. Well, and, and the question is, do they wait until after the season to do this, meaning after the postseason, because they're on this great momentum push, right? Yeah. Or do they come down and, and bring down a suspension now, and then that would also be a part of the media narrative, right? The yeah. debate about the suspension. Do they ride through the conference championships it's, and then it's the It's a finals, great question because it could give it them now? more interest if they do it during the playoffs right now, right? Or, or you could just, argue that. Or it takes the shine off of the game on the court Yep, and it, it turns into the talk show debate and the pregame shows like Charles and others having to discuss whether or not they agree with the suspension length. And then Adam Silver gets asked about it at the NBA Finals. You know, so I, I'm curious on the timeline of all of this because there's not much to investigate if you're Adam Silver. Um, Shannon Sharp on FS1's doing some investigating uh, on Undisputed. So John Morant, right shortly after Adam Silver went on with Malika Andrews Monday evening and discussed the, the latest incident with John Morant, 
Morant issued a, now a second apology, and Shannon Sharp on Undisputed has a theory about who wrote it. Job for apology. I know I've disappointed a lot of people who supported me. This is a journey, and I recognize there's more work to do. My words may not mean much right now, but I take full accountability for my actions, and I'm committed to continue to work on myself. Skip, I don't know if you've ever heard of a chat GPT. I do know what it is. But they've been explaining it to me. You could say, write me a love letter to Ernestine. Mm, yeah. and, and guess what, guess what, Skip? Skip, you did this, but see, you can pass it off because you were an English major. So anything, and I, I know, but I couldn't because I have a style to me. And right. if I said it to her, she'd say you didn't that like way, this. That's not the way you talk. That is correct. Skip, it's an AI generated. Unless this job must be the most a million to one coincidence, or no, a billion. Okay, billion. That 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 job yeah, is statement billion, is right. verbatim. No, you're to right. that statement. In order for an apology, it's give, it, it, an apology is very, it needs to be sincere and it needs to be in your words. Because even when people give you things, when they give you statements, some of the wording needs to be in some things that you will say. It can't be all by a PR team or people going to say that's disingenuous. There, there's the audio and the theory from, from Shannon Sharp on Undisputed uh, with Skip Bayless. Chad, it's identical. Uh, there's a user on Reddit who posted a screenshot where he's on his account for ChatGPT, and he asks, write me a paragraph apologizing to everyone about my actions. And ChatGPT, <laughs> in the same paragraph, it's identical. I'll say it in a, so. in a quote tweet that Woj puts out with the John Morant statement, it is identical to the ChatGPT apology. Now, what that service does, what this artificial intelligence does, is it scours the internet and it compiles details based on everyone and their information, right? So could it have just taken this after it was written? Sure. Could Ja has, have found this somewhere else? Sure. But Sharp's onto something here. And it's, I mean, it's a, another part of the problem if he's literally just copying and pasting a statement or his team is doing that in response to Adam Silver's comments on ESPN earlier this week. This was the first time that I... Word for word, identical. ...that I laughed in this whole story. The rest of it's been kind of serious. This was the first time I laughed <laughs> because I'm thinking of just the HBO comedy that would be John Morant and his buddies sitting around and someone saying, hey, have you ever heard of Chat GPT? Thinking about what What's they're going to do or like say for, over two days. Need anything written? And you know, they're like, hey, man, my publicist won't even talk to me and my agent... What should we do about an apology or a statement? And then someone says, I got it. There's this thing called chat GPT. <laughs> we can say, write an apology letter for me. And that's what comes out. This would be an entire 28-minute episode of an HBO comedy that I would watch and laugh at the entire time. It really is. Sometimes uh, truth can be stranger than fiction. Uh, by the way, this, this chat GPT thing is taking over the world, I, I feel like. And it's a huge problem, I believe, in the end. But if this is the case, that he got that apology from that, I thought the apology was very, um, not odd, but just almost letting himself off the hook by very quickly and succinctly saying, I'm a work in progress. I'm going to continue to work on myself. I thought that was a very easy out for someone who went to, uh, what was it, Shannon Sharp or whoever called it, drive-by drive or drive-through? The drive-through counseling. Drive-through counseling. 
that felt like a drive-through counseling line. Well, of any time I screw up, I can just say, "Guys, I'm a work in progress. I'm going to continue to work on myself. Uh, I'm not going to make any excuses. Sorry to all those I let it, down." It fits any. It fits any apology necessary. So either yeah, you either can, way, you can put that on anything. Anything. Either way, Chat GPT or his own words, it's it's hollow, and it's the same. It's the exact same thing that Adam Silver was talking about having heard from him back in March, and that he was shocked. And surprised that here we are in May, two months later, and we're going down the same path and seeing the same things. Nike feels the same way, Chad. Uh, quickly, though, Ace in our YouTube chat says, apology video would have looked better. Yeah. My, my response to that is, did you see him in the, in the interview with Jalen Rose? I didn't think it was the best look. I thought he seemed very pre-programmed well, but it, in that and, and not all that believable. It wasn't terrible, but I thought it was very robotic. In his interview with Jalen Rose. You want to talk about robots? It's whoever this wrote is an this. actual robot. Whoever wrote this. Actual robots versus Ja Morant PR robot. <laughs> uh, Nike has removed the Ja Ones, uh, his signature shoe through Nike, from their site. It's been scrubbed. Now, you can still purchase Ja Morant gear, like T-shirts and jerseys, through the Nike site. But Nike had already had issues or reports that they were worried about his image. We know that Powerade had signed on through Coca-Cola for him to rep them, the first individual and uh, the first face of the brand in five years. They were about to roll this out right before the March incident happened. But the Jaw Ones, you can't currently purchase at the Nike site. So again, all of these things have a reaction to them. And everyone right now, for the most part, is on the side of Commissioner Adam Silver saying... We're going to have to, you know, I'm expecting the worst. And I think everyone is expecting the worst when it comes to what's next for John Morant because he's done nothing but continue down this same path when offered help or um, told that, hey, if it happens again, we're going to bring the hammer down. I would have hoped the fact that the shoe looks horrific. It's just an awful look would have been the reason that no one was buying them or they were taking off the site. But apparently people were buying them. Michael Wilbon on the, the ESPN ABC NBA pregame show said, you know, we had a talk with our, our son. He's not going to give money to that and not going to purchase the shoe. And then all this happens with Nike. Um, not More bad news for John Morant and also expected after yeah. this many times. I mean, you get the benefit of the doubt a couple times. And then when pretty much the exact same thing happens two months later, two months after you got suspended eight games for this, and then it happens again, you're not going to get a lot of leeway. PGA Championship leaderboard update, currently a four-way tie atop the leaderboard, all at three under. Scotty Scheffler, Corey Connors, Keegan Bradley, and Bryson DeChambeau. And right behind them, Victor Hovland, uh, Callum Terran, Justin Sue, and Ben Kern as well as Ryan Fox at two under and then one under. Scores of interest, Jordan Spieth is three over. John Rahm, five over right now. we got to find the odds of a top ten finish for John Rahm based on the fact he's five over. And Matt Fitzpatrick is six over currently at the PGA Championship. Still to tee off, Tommy Fleetwood, Adam Scott, Hideki Matsuyama, Tony Finau, uh, Xander Shoffley, and Phil Mickelson all yet to tee off at the PGA Championship. When we return, Clay Travis joins us. We'll dive into John Morant, Pat McAfee's decision to join ESPN, and much more. Clay joins us next on Hot Mike.
Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine and live across the Outkick Network, which includes YouTube. We hope you'll subscribe to the channel, like, and then join us in the chat as well. Clay Travis joins us now from New York. Clay, thanks for the time, man. And uh, man, we've plenty to discuss. We'll start with John ja Morant and the latest video that surfaced this past weekend and then all of the discussion and debate throughout the week including Adam Silver, the commissioner, very strong comment saying that, look, it, he's expecting the worst. They're investigating the video, although there's not much to investigate. It's clear he's holding a weapon in the car. And it's clear that Silver's pissed off at the fact that they had a meeting and less than two months later, it's the same incident. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, I think John Morant's 23 years old or whatever that age is. I know he's right around that number. Um, it's, uh, it's indicative of him not understanding the significance of the last suspension that he got. And, you know, it'd be one thing if he had gotten in trouble essentially with doing something else, but to make, make the same mistake again, uh, I mean, candidly, I thought it was kind of crazy. Um, and even his buddy who is, you know, on IG live with him, uh, like kind of looked over and didn't seem to recognize that he was going to be holding a gun again. Uh, it's just super dumb, right? And I remember uh, for a while, teams have been saying that drug tests in advance of the NFL Combine were really just intelligence tests, right? Um, it wasn't that you might test positive for weed or whatever they were testing you for. It was, hey, do you have the ability to understand the significance of your opportunity here and avoid creating bigger issues for yourself? And if the answer is no, then you're going to end up potentially in a difficult spot. I've always heard, and I think it's true, that money doesn't change you. It makes you more of what you already were, right? So if uh, it, it basically acts as an accelerant, um, and, uh, and, and certainly I think that's true in athletics in particular because you have so many people who go from not having much to suddenly having a ton in a relatively short period of time, and that can be a challenge. And Ja Morant does not seem in general uh, to have transitioned that well from uh, being a kid who was under the radar playing at Murray State to uh, the place where he's capable of signing contracts worth hundreds of millions of dollars to play basketball. And, uh, and we'll see what happens going forward from here. Clay, you know, J.J. Redick had something to say along these lines. I'm sure you've seen a lot of this. I've seen a lot of it on social media as well. What do you say to the person that says, well, what's wrong with John Morant not doing anything illegal and having a gun in a video versus Andy Ogles, uh, a politician in the state of Tennessee, posing for a photo with AR-15s under a Christmas tree with his children and his entire family? What's your response when people say that? Well, one, Andy Ogles is not an employee of the Memphis Grizzlies. So, I mean, those are different situations. If Andy Ogles was a GM, of the Memphis Grizzlies, as opposed to a congressperson, uh, then I think there probably would be consequences if the Memphis Grizzlies GM posed with his family with you know guns in their Christmas card. So those are very different different situations. And you know what I would say is when you are an employee, uh, there are certain expectations for you um, as a, as a contracted employee. And uh, take it outside of John ja Morant or the you know, Tennessee congressional district or, or anything else, there are lots of things that are legal that 
people are not allowed to do under their uh, contracts. For instance, I think John Morant is not allowed to ride a motorcycle. Um, partly that's because of what happened to Jay Williams, uh, who looked like he was going to have an all-NBA, all-star career, and then had a devastating accident while riding around on a motorcycle. Um, and John Morant has every right to ride a motorcycle as a American citizen. But under his contract, if he injured himself while riding around in a, on a motorcycle, he would be uh, he would be violating that contract. And I'm sure if there was a video that came out of John Morant driving aggressively on a motorcycle, the Memphis Grizzlies would tell him not to do it and that there would be consequences if he did it again. Um, you know, jobs that are far less significant than uh, in terms of contracted pay. He's making hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, if you were, let's say, a kindergarten teacher and you also wanted to have an OnlyFans page, I think pretty much every school district in America would say, yeah, a public school teacher can't have an OnlyFans page and be a teacher. Now, it's not illegal to have an OnlyFans page. Certainly, people make money uh, all over the country from having OnlyFans pages. But in order to be a school teacher, you can't combine those two. So I don't find John Morant to be a victim here. Look, he's making hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he already has had issues with guns in his past, which I think is a very significant part of this story. Uh, there's an allegation that he and members of his entourage pulled guns and used uh, like basically tracer lights on uh, the Indiana, Indiana Pacers team bus. Uh, there's an allegation that he got into a fight at his own home and then came out of the house brandishing a weapon, threatening this teenage kid that he got in a fight with. And then there was a video of him ho holding a gun somehow in a strip club in, uh, in the Denver area, if I'm not mistaken. And the Memphis Grizzlies said, based on all of these stories, and by the way, there may be other stories that they're aware of that have not been public yet, that they don't want him uh, engaging uh, with a uh, handgun in, in live videos. Uh, and dancing along to rap songs. That doesn't seem crazy to me, um, and it doesn't seem to me like he is a victim. Now, if he had never done anything else, and he is dancing around with a, uh, with a gun, and suddenly there's a massive suspension that comes down on him, I think it would be far easier to defend him. Uh, but based on all those circumstances, this doesn't seem uh, like a crazy perspective. I mean, look, the Memphis Grizzlies have invested hundreds of millions of dollars in him as their franchise signature athlete. They want him to be as, as healthy and as safe and as productive of an employee as he can be for the, the, the decade plus ahead. Uh, and, and what they're suggesting seems like a fairly reasonable request. And if he can't follow it, there should be, I think, consequences. Clay, how about the, the story and the theory that the apology that he issued came through chat GPT. Uh, Shannon Sharp has, <laughs> has thrown this out there. And then there, there's a Reddit user who typed in, uh, please uh, write me a paragraph apologizing to everyone about my actions. And chat GPT responds with the exact same statement uh, that Adrian Wojnarowski had tweeted out from John Morant. Clay, it's the first thing that made it's, me laugh. This is the first part of the story where I chuckled when I, I saw a, it. Yeah, the story gets crazier, right? I mean, that if, if in fact he's just well, copy and pasting, is just insane. It's funny, but it wouldn't be John ja Morant who's writing any apology statement anyway, right? This would actually, I bet, uh, be an indictment of whoever is advising him 
because I would imagine that the number of public figures, athletes included, who actually draft their apology for whatever they have done is near zero, right? Like there aren't that many people, I would imagine, who actually write their own apology. They have a PR team, they have marketing executives, and they just put their name on it and uh, and pop it out. So it would, while it's fun to make funny to make fun of the idea that John Morant was sitting around using chat GPT uh, to draft an apology, it's probably more likely that some public relations employee uh, did that and, and used it as a template. But let's be honest, these apologies, to the extent that they're even really apologies, right? They aren't very different. Almost every apology looks and reads pretty much the same way. Uh, so I tend to think that's probably what was uh, what was going on. Uh, but I don't think John Morant is, is cares enough, frankly, to draft his own apology. So Mark Jones of ESPN retweeting Richard Deitch saying that ESPN, NBA playoffs and ESPN is an all-time high in ratings. And these playoffs have been up big time in ratings. Tweets out, Clay, I thought people stopped watching because players kneeled and said Black Lives Matter. Better ask somebody. Isn't Mark Jones kind of inadvertently making everyone who argued that their point for them by saying that now that it's more about the basketball and less about the politics, ratings suddenly are way up? Yeah, first of all, the ratings are, I, I don't know what he said. Um, so if you've got the tweet in, in front of you, I mean, I think he has me blocked. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm flying blind yeah, he, here a little well, bit. Well, and I, I, read, I read the tweet, Clay. He's basically saying, you know, I, I thought everybody stopped watching the NBA because players kneeled and because of Black Lives Matter. You better ask somebody. And he's retweeting Richard Deitch saying this is the most watched NBA playoffs ever on an ESPN ABC platform. Well, so first of all, pay attention to what's going on there, right? Like the NBA playoffs in the Michael Jordan era had infinitely more viewers. Um, And I did see the numbers that came out um, from the first game one, at least on ESPN, and they were thoroughly mediocre, right? So really what happened for the first couple of rounds of the NBA playoffs and the reason why they had an increase in viewership is one, Lakers Warriors might well outrate the NBA finals. And again, you need somebody who actually looks at the numbers and analyzes this to be somewhat rational about it. But Lakers Warriors is right now the NBA's best draw. And so they got that in what the second round of the playoffs. And then out of nowhere, the Knicks tell me the last time the Knicks won a playoff series, I think it was like 15 or 16 years ago. So the Knicks advanced to the second round. And really what this was about was Lakers-Warriors is the best possible matchup in the NBA playoffs. It happened in the second round. And the Knicks advancing to the second round had not happened in like 20 years. So you end up with the best matchup possible in the NBA playoffs in the second round and the Knicks advancing. What you're seeing now in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals is the numbers are pretty mediocre, right? Uh, I think around 7.5 million people watched uh, the first game between the Lakers and the Nuggets, and that's really not very good. And that came on the heels of the NBA draft lottery, uh, and that suggests, by the way, that the NBA finals 
are uh, sorry, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are actually going to be much lower in viewership than the previous round, which makes sense, right? Because I think the Warriors and the Lakers will outrate anything that happens in the NBA playoffs going forward. Uh, and that's typically not what happens, right? Usually every single round, the viewership grows. So the NBA basically inflated the second round and they're going to deflate in the uh, conference finals and likely the NBA finals. In fact, if we ended up with the Nuggets and the Heat, it would be an all-time disaster level ratings uh, for the NBA. Now, maybe the NBA gets lucky and the Celtics and the Lakers advance, which is probably the best possible matchup they could get. Uh, but even still, the overall trend lines for the NBA are very, very bad. And Mark Jones, I don't think, is a very smart person. Um, there's never been any time where I've thought, oh, that guy right made a really astute uh, you know, point. Uh, and so uh, he likely doesn't even understand uh, the argument that he's making, which is actually, as you pointed out, that the less politics there is, the more people watch, right? Because they stopped doing all of the super woke things in the NBA uh, because they've been desperate to try to get back viewership. But I think the numbers, when you look at the NBA playoffs in totality, are still going to be very poor relative to historical averages. They just have gotten a little bit of a sugar high uh, because the Knicks finally won a playoff series and you had a big New York viewership and because the best possible matchup of Warriors and Lakers has already happened, I would be surprised if any of the playoffs end up with this, unless they get Lakers-Celtics, end up as highly rated as the Warriors-Lakers in the second round. Well, Warriors-Celtics was abysmal last year in the finals. but And that's my broader point, Clay. Everything you're saying is correct about the Knicks and the Lakers-Warriors and all that. But here's the other fact that's happening. Players aren't currently kneeling. There's not Black Lives Matter in the end zone of every game. So ratings are up, which would prove that point. And and you've been saying this about sports for a while, Clay, that when you you get into the woke politics, ratings are going to go down. The NBA seems to be listening to that a lot more, at least what I've seen in these playoffs. Is ESPN listening to that more? With the latest uh, acquiring Pat McAfee show – um, are they starting to lean more into, hey, this is not helping our product when we lean into woke politics? Are you seeing some of that from ESPN right now? Probably. Um, you know, I, I think candidly, if they were talking privately to me, they would acknowledge that everything I've said is correct because it is rooted in data, right? Um, I think ESPN they're saying that with their actions, by the way, right now, that, that you're correct yeah. with what they're doing. Well, but they would but they would never say it publicly, no. but I think privately, if you know, we were out with a few, if we had a few beers and they're like, this is off the record, they'd be like, yeah. Um, you know, woke politics mixed with sports is really bad for our business. Um, and you know, it, it, I, I think they are desperate, uh, frankly at ESPN and at the NBA, um, because, uh, in particular ESPN's business model is really under siege. And, uh, you know, I I am fascinated to see how this is going to play out because these television sports rights are wildly expensive. And the way that they paid for them was with all the cable and satellite subscribers. Um, And the, the base of cable and satellite subscribers is collapsing. So ESPN is basically a middleman and they're paying billions of dollars to all these sports leagues 
And historically, they were able to do that because they were adding more and more cable subscribers. They were adding how much they could uh, charge people. And now the bottom is falling out of that business. So, uh, you know, there are other networks, for instance, you know, let, let's say you're uh, MSNBC or let's say you're Fox News and you don't have as many subscribers as you used to. Well, the cost of putting on the news is actually not that high, right? Like, uh, uh, I'm up in New York right now. It doesn't cost that much to put on a news network on television because you don't pay for the news, right? ESPN pays for the news. So when they're playing, like tonight, they've got, what, game two of the Nuggets uh, going up against the Lakers. They're having to pay billions of dollars for the NBA. MSNBC and uh, and Fox News don't have to pay the White House a ton of money to show a White House press briefing. And so um, I, I just the the economic realities of sports. And by the way, this is not me just spitballing. Right. You've seen it happen with the regional sports networks that have already basically gone bankrupt and given up the ghost of their business. Um, I, I think that ESPN is in dire, dire straits. Uh, as it pertains to uh, to being able to compete. Because remember, most people don't watch ESPN programming except for the games. Uh, the shoulder programming has pretty small audiences. And uh, and that is going to be a challenge, I think, for them in a, in a major way going forward. Clay, Travis with us on OutKicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Um, so, Clay, you've been there. You're the perfect person to ask. You've built something up on your own into a, a mega business and then sold it for millions what do you make of Pat McAfee's decision to do just that with ESPN? So I don't know a lot about the business side of Pat McAfee's uh, endeavors, but the thing that doesn't make sense to me that nobody is talking about is if FanDuel really was going to pay him $120 million, am I right about that math? Over yes. four years. Year, yeah. Reportedly, four-year $120 million deal. Uh, and he's walking away from it to take a job with ESPN that pays him, we don't know, but it appears substantially less than $30 million a year, right? That doesn't make sense. If I had a four-year $120 million deal with FanDuel, even if I got upset with FanDuel, I would expect them to pay me $120 million, and I would stay committed to that deal. I certainly wouldn't walk away from that deal to make 30 or $40 million from ESPN. So the thing that doesn't make sense to me is nothing to do with going to ESPN. Because if, if he was going to ESPN and they were going to pay him $50 million a year and he was getting out of his FanDuel deal, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. He's leaving one contract to make more money in a new one. What doesn't make sense to me is walking away from $120 million to theoretically make $40 million or $50 million or whatever it is like he's leaving, you know, 80, 90 million dollars, whatever the math is, potentially on the table. And that doesn't add up to me um, from an, from a pure like ESPN perspective. I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad move if they're going to allow him to do the same kind of show uh, that he's already done. I thought Bobby Barack wrote a really good piece, which is ESPN used to make stars. Now they have to leave ESPN and go outside to hire someone to be a star for them. Uh, I, I think that's an intriguing perspective because it used to be not only would they not have to do that, 
they said to Aaron Andrews and Skip Bayless and Colin Cowherd, hey, if you leave ESPN, nobody's ever going to care about you again. And the reality has been all those people are doing fine. And so uh, it's kind of a default admission that they are wrong on that now because they're having to leave their own network and go hire someone who got famous without ever being on ESPN in the first place. I just fear that the the show will definitely change, right? Him saying that it's not going to change. It will change in certain ways. And those changes, you know, depending on what you're looking at to see how much it changes, will be how we judge the ESPN factor. But you don't go out and hire Pat McAfee to do what he's doing without giving him a long leash, do you? Well, I would never hire anybody and say, uh, and now I'm going to micromanage you um, because that defeats the entire purpose of hiring somebody in the first place. Um, so if you, and, and I would say the same thing, like if, if Sirius XM is going to hire Howard Stern and they don't want him to be Howard Stern, like, why do you want to hire somebody in the first place and immediately neuter them? So, uh, I, I, I don't candidly know that much about the day-to-day of McAfee's show. You know, I've watched interviews say with Aaron Rodgers that are newsmaking and things such as that. Uh, but I, you know, I've got my own shows, I think that are on around the same time. So, uh, I, I don't spend a lot of time, uh, listening to his show, but I would say to anybody out there, um, if you're, uh, doing a show and you decide to leave where you are and you've been successful, um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the, you know, the show to completely change. And I would think that ESPN would have to take that perspective as well. Chad and I know that feeling. Yeah. No, leaving somewhere in the show that we, we sat down with Clay that day. Yeah, and he was like, "Hey, I don't want the show to change." Yeah, Just absolutely. Look, well, it, and, and look, for better or worse, I mean, I think everybody that we employ at Outkick, like I, you guys, can speak to this. I've never been a person who like is texting and micromanaging and saying, right. "Hey, Tommy Laren, you should have this on your show as the open," or Dan Dakich, what in the world? Uh, that's not my view as someone who does content myself of what my job should be. You know, we just hired Charlie. I think she'll do a good show. Um, You know, there are certain parameters under which a show should be done and how it's put together and all those things. Uh, But, you know, I'm not, and same thing, by the way, for our writers, I'm not going out and saying, Hey, uh, you have to do this. This is the perspective I expect for you to, uh, to have on every single issue. Frankly, we've got too many people. The site's gotten too big. The content that we produce on a day-to-day basis is too large, I think, for any one person to be, you know, kind of micromanaging that. Um, and, uh, you know, ESPN has a huge bureaucracy. Maybe it's going to be different there, but, you know, I don't hire people and try to tell them, you know, what they can and cannot do. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, and just by format with McAfee, it's going to change. He put well, that in the right. announcement when he says, I've got complete creative control. The show is the exact same. We're not changing. We're just not going to say the F word anymore. And I'm thinking, well, right there, you just highlighted something that changes simply because you're on cable in the middle of the day now on ESPN. So I would expect more changes also uh, with that. Hopefully not, but I'm sure there will be. Clay, thanks so much, man. I know you're busy up in New York appreciate right you. now. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Thanks a lot. See yeah. ya. There's Clay Travis, Outkick founder. You can find him, Clay and Buck Show, uh, mornings. And uh, Chad, he's right. I mean, the money doesn't add up if you look at it year to year. No, and I do think that ESPN loves the guy. You know, they love his work on College Game Day. They brought him in for a reason. I think that they're going into this with the right spirit yeah. of collaboration with, hey, we're hiring you to be you because we love your talent and your show. 
I just know they're going to run into some situations where he's going to have to get a call from some executive and someone's going to say, cool it on this, or maybe talk a little bit more about this or a little bit less about this. And it starts with, you can't curse anymore. And that's just natural because of FCC laws and violations that he'd have to do that. But I don't think that's where it ends for Pat McAfee being stymied a bit by ESPN. At 7-1, Shaquille O'Neal is easily recognizable. But he's hard to find, at least for one specific law firm. That's next on Hotline. Sixth and Peabody, our location for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's where you can find all of the shows. Just search out Outkick. Tommy Lahren is Fearless airs this evening, 7 o'clock Eastern. And guest tonight, Matt Ariza, the punt god, who says he doesn't hold anything against the Buffalo Bills, who released him after allegations surfaced of gang rape. Since then, no charges came his way. That was announced in December of last year. And while a civil, civil case still is pending, he sits now with Tommy tonight, one-on-one, 7 o'clock Eastern. You can check that out on the Outkick Network. And tomorrow on this show, you can check out the attorney for the young woman that made the accusation who will join Hot Mike tomorrow afternoon. Quickly, this from David on the YouTube channel, I think brings up an interesting point about Pat McAfee taking less money to go to ESPN than he was making with FanDuel. Uh, He said in the video, McAfee made comments about not wanting to have to shoulder the cost of production of his show and the increased availability to do other projects for ESPN that could also make him more money. Says the amount of salary could be offset if ESPN is paying his employees now Mm -hmm. and all other production costs that were coming out of his pocket. So there wasn't as much profit. There's certainly a lot less headache now that ESPN Productions takes all of that over for him. But it could also be a, yes, it's less money coming in, but he's got far less money going out to pay his guys, his team, insurance, all of those things. That makes a lot of sense. When you look at it that way, I I could certainly see where getting all that off your plate would be worth it if you're Pat McAfee and getting to do other things. Chad, hopefully they're not paying in crypto. Um, Doubt it. FTX. I think people have stopped with that. Cryptocurrency and all the lawsuits or plaintiffs. That for the now defunct FTX cryptocurrency complaining about malpractice and fraud. And it, it goes deep. And you've got celebrities, influencers that were repping FTX that are named in this lawsuit. One of them, Shaquille O'Neal. The problem is the firm is having a hard time actually serving him the subpoena uh, where they, the plaintiff's lawyer said they have tried serving Shaq a number of times at various locations, including his Texas and Georgia homes, and even outside TNT Studios, but they've been repeatedly blocked, even to the point where outside of Shaq's home, they attempted to serve him. They're claiming they did. Shaq's lawyers are saying they did not because he got in his car and they threw the documents, uh, the lawsuit, at his car. So, you know, they've, they've tweeted out, hey, preserve the cameras to show that we've, we've attempted to serve Shaquille O'Neal, but they can't. They can't do it in person. They can't. He's protected so well that they have not been able to do it. And up until there's like a deadline cutoff, 
for them to actually serve him this. Otherwise, he won't be named in the lawsuit. What a terrible job to have to be the one that has to serve Shaq. Like, can you imagine being the guy or girl that has to throw papers <laughs> at Shaq's SUV in his own home? In his driveway while he's pulling out seven foot one, three hundred and seventy-five pound Shaquille O'Neal. Here, I'm going to throw these papers at you at your home and hope that I don't get whipped for doing so. I would not want to have that job. And it, I mean, Tom Brady is named this. That, that they're arguing that Shaq, Tom Brady, and others tried to continue funneling investors into the FTX Ponzi scheme and to promote and assist in the sale of those accounts, which are unregistered securities. And they're also being good sued for, for not for performing Shaq. any due diligence prior to marketing these FTX products to the public. He could move well, but wasn't known for his evasiveness as no, a player. Not, but now that he's a, a full-on citizen and not playing mm-hmm. basketball, very evasive. Right now he's dunking on them, though. Yes, with so, his so. SUV pulling out as they throw <laughs> papers at him. No doubt. Coming up, playoff Jimmy returns for the Miami Heat. The Heat take a one-game lead, and YouTube... They didn't win game one. We'll explain why coming up on Hot Mike.